Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo Wherever they need us Our destinies lead us Amigos, we're always together <laughs> Wherever we go We're three brave amigos And we'll be amigos forever We are the three amigos We are the three Welcome to episode 101, that is 101 episodes, give or take, of The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I am Christine. And on episode 101, we're going to talk about movies. It's, I feel like this is always like the first of a new dynasty, if you will, Ooh. when you, you know, it's like a new um, uh, century of, of no, podcasting. No pressure. It is our first new century, and what films are we covering? Um... I think they're very fitting. I agree. We're covering Three Amigos yes. from some year. Yes, 86. <laughs> a very good year. The year the Mets won the World Series. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And we're covering 2001. 2001, yeah. Yeah. Mo- su- still still feels super 90s, though, but I'm okay with that. It does. Um, Mulholland it? Drive. It, you know, it, it's so funny because we talked a little bit about Mulholland Drive on the last episode because I brought it up thinking about my first experience watching it. And... It felt so long ago that I watched <laughs> this movie. And in fairness, it is. It was, um, I probably saw it in 2002. So that's like 16 years ago, which is a, that long, is that a, is a lifetime. Time. That is a lifetime. Um, but that is also, 2002 is like, feel is a long time ago. And you're right, this movie feels so 90s because the fashion and the like makeup and hair is so 90s. Oh. In the best possible way. In the best way. Right? Barrettes. Naomi Watts with the little barrettes. Oh, stop it. Perfect. It's perfection. Um, Yeah. So these were just movies that came up in conversation on our last episode. And it was kind of a, yeah, let's, why not? Let's do it. Why not? Why not, indeed. I'm really excited. I have grown up with Three Amigos. So it's going to be... A hard movie for me to see objectively, but you've never seen it, right? Never seen it. So First I'm going to hear. Yeah, I'm so curious how it plays to somebody like you uh, for the first time in 2018. I'm really interested to talk about it because mm. I have some surprising reactions. Interesting. And Mulholland Drive, you had also never seen, correct? Never seen. Oh my god. Look. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I'm jumping the gun. Before we get to these things, uh, what else have you been watching? Come out of my mouth. What did you have in your mouth? Look, we haven't talked about it 
word vomit. Oh, oh, yeah, that happens. Not not regular vomit. No, that I mean, um, it's okay if you do. Just I mean, let it out, girl. Don't don't swallow it. I won't. No, you? No, no, it's um, not good for anything. <laughs> so I, it's been a long time since we talked about what movies we've been watching. It has been. And for the for the sake of expediency, I'm not going to go through all of them. Okay. Because there's been a lot of rewatches, okay. like a lot Got of it. rewatches. Um, I'm typically anti rewatch. Not like it's not like a hard and fast rule, but like it's I just often tough feel when there's like so many movies in the world that you haven't exactly. seen yet. Yeah. And I get this weird internalized guilt about like, well, why am I watching this again if I've never seen all these things? Uh, fair. Which fair. which is stupid, but whatever. But like I was sick and like there was a thing and Zach was doing a thing and I had extra time. So I just started rewatching stuff that I'd already seen. That's um, but I will say that I did watch the night that it came out and got like no sleep for work the next day. Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, oh, I haven't watched it yet. I'm so curious. What do you what do you think? Um, it was, it was good. I'm not going to shit on it. Cause I, I know that some people really, really, a lot really of people seem it. to really enjoy shitting on it. And I, I, didn't, yeah. yeah, I, I will say that it is an average at best space movie, mm-hmm. but it is of course escalated by the fact that it weaves into the Cloverfield like, universe, the Clover, Cloverfield universe. Like, why are we going to fault it for that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, people get such a fucking kick out of the fact that Stephen King's books all seem to exist in the same universe. And, like, <laughs> like let 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 us have this Cloverfield thing. Oh, it would have sucked if it wasn't a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, but guess what, everybody? It, it was is a Cloverfield movie. <laughs> we don't have to live in a world where we think about that. People really like to hate things. I don't get it. They do, and there were some. There was some. There was some. I want you to watch it. I will. Um, I will. There was some super cliche shit that happened, which is like if you were writing down things that happen in space movies, mm, okay. these things happened. Great, but there were also some really interesting things, and it did some stuff with dimensional hmm. things and and other timelines and shit, which is is my jam right now. Oh, so yeah. it was cool yeah, to see that. that it went in that direction. Okay, cool. Um, so you should watch it. I will. I would like I would like to hear your thoughts. Um, the much of my uh oh sky <laughs> finally I watched Beyond Sky Skyline and it was stupid and I hated it. Beyond Skyline, the long-awaited <laughs> sequel to a movie nobody asked for a sequel to. No, I didn't like it. It was dumb. Okay. Even with uh, it was no- Grillo, Frank Grillo was in it, right? I mean, he was he was in it, and he's good in things I like but like i don't know like it was no skyline right? <laughs> that wasn't that good either um i watched a movie that i think you would really like it's called possession and it's got sarah michelle geller in it Ooh, do you know about this movie no new and or it's old old. It, old it's got lee pace in it as well Ooh. you are you're um, talking my ra- jam Exactly. So we randomly rented it because I was like, this is funny. Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it. And then I saw Lee Pace was in it. And I was like, oh, well, I kind of actually want to <laughs> Now this. I hope it's actually good. Um, it's weird and interesting. And there's like two different endings for it. And one ending is trash garbage. And one ending is cool and awesome. Interesting. Um, and I think yeah. it is a remake of a South Korean movie. I could have I could totally be lying to you. But it is a remake of a movie. It, okay. Like an American remake of it. I'm intrigued. Um, and you should watch it. And it is it is awesome. It's like um. Okay, so 
so the way that scarecrow video has their stuff set up there's like a like a clearly a supernatural section and then there's like a thrillery mystery section mm. and you know how there are some movies that toe that line oh, yes. like you it like presents a supernatural until there's like a reveal or something mm-hmm. okay just the way that this movie was shelved totally gave away at <laughs> <laughs> the end that's kind of fantastic so, so um i'm sad that it wasn't what it what it was but what it ended up turning out to be was brand <laughs> so that's my recommend for you okay possession i'm writing um, that down i watched you should watch just possession i know that's what a name everyone <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get a different title for this movie um i was hesitant to watch it because it looked dumb when it was in the theaters but I believe it was on hbo we watched keeping up with the joneses which is um, Gal Gadot and oh, Zach Galifianakis. Yeah. Okay. And John okay. What it was funny. Thoughts? Funny. Funny. Thought. Worked. Didn't work. It. I thought it was going to be stupid. It wasn't dumb. Or I don't. I don't like lowbrow humor. Not because I'm fancy. I was going to say because you are funny. very fancy. And it wasn't. I am very fancy, thank you. Um, but it didn't really do... It didn't go the low road. It had, like, actually, like, funny setups and stuff. Okay. Um, which was good. So if it's ever in front of your face and you have an option to watch it, like, on a plane or something, go for it. Did, uh, so does John um, Hamm and Gal Gadot play a couple? Like, a married couple? Yeah. I'm just They're imagining so their children and how beautiful their children would be, and it kind of makes me want to throw up right now. Anyway, you can. can you know. I know, and, that, and it's good that the movie acknowledges that they're so both so beautiful oh. that you just want to throw things I, at I them. I appreciate when so, when media does that. Yes. Yeah, it definitely didn't live in a universe where they were normal-looking good, people. Good. So I appreciated that. Yes, don't don't. Um, yeah, talk down to me. Long awaited for me, and I've put it off for a while because I was afraid I wouldn't like it. Um, I watched To Die For. Oh, okay. Nicole Kidman. I I'm just a Nicole Kidman completist lately. She's the best. Um, it's really hard not to be. She's she is she's the greatest. And this movie was great, and I really liked it. And I immediately went out and got the book from the library, and I'm reading the book. Uh, I'm curious how it differs from the book. It was based on the book, right? Yeah. Okay. The book is a lot more in depth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean that seems like a sure. stupid thing to say about a book, but like, like it just it gets into a lot of different things, and and each chapter is from a different char- character's Char-point perspective. Okay. Yeah, so I feel like when I makes saw the, it. The film. Okay, I saw it um, maybe like five, ten years ago, or something. And I liked it, but I think it had been so hyped for me because for years it was talked yeah. about that it felt also like ahead of its time. But then by the time I watched it, kind of obvious, which wasn't the yeah. movie's fault. It was just more like, yeah, no, we all know this is the way the world looks at media now. But she, I mean, she is fantastic in that. And that was kind of the movie that made people take her seriously, too. Yeah. And so it had always been on my like list of yeah. things to check out. Um, finally did, and I, I, I liked it a lot. And enough to su- search out the book. It's very cool. So if you're ever in front of it for a rewatch, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to pick out my what my um, recommend. recommend is going to be on this. 
<laughs> okay, oh. I got one. Um, I watched a movie called Mute. M- Mute. Alexander Skarsgård's oh, in it. Wait, wait, is this the yeah. um the the Duncan Jones one? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, I'm hearing That's nothing not... good about it, which is really disappointing because I want him to make good movies. And I watched the whole, I watched the whole thing like that's some kind of accomplishment. But I, I mean, I didn't shut it off. It wasn't like unwatchable. And Skarsgård's just fantastic and mm-hmm. wonderful. And like I, I liked the world building, but it, it, I don't know. It's to me, it's the same reasons why I'm not enjoying Altered Carbon and why I stopped watching that Netflix show okay. is that one of the. It's the same reasons why I don't. I didn't like this movie particularly. It just wasn't for me. Gotcha. If it's for you, then I'm sh- Yeah, I, I haven't it, but, heard anybody eh. say it's for them um, yet. Yeah, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I watched The Mountain Between Us, a movie that I don't think is for anybody. <laughs> that was the movie that had my favorite marketing. <laughs> the marketing was, the dog lives, don't worry. Oh, and he does. I didn't know that going in. I was so worried. Yeah, no, I can't. I need Uh, to know going in. It's too much for me otherwise. Because he was like a main character, too. Yeah. No, that's Um, when I have to look up on my phone, doesadogdie.com, to see. Because I can't let a movie do that with my emotions. If the dog's going to die and I know that, I'm fine. I get it. I can then immediately say the dog is an actor and I don't have to get attached to it. But if I can't, like, take the pressure of not knowing and getting attached and then having my heart ripped out. Totally understandable, and this is one that it would have done that to you because the dog was really manipulative in this okay, movie. Okay. Not like the use of the dog, not the dog. Itself. <laughs> really, the dog was trying to get the dog was the mountain between Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. It's very yeah. allegorical, but uh, it's cool. The beginning of the movie is cool because their car- interplay is fun and like it's very much like a survival movie. Mm-hmm. But then it really veers off and becomes this like. Hey, ham-handed romance mm. which honestly for me it was ruined in probably the last half hour okay um, which is a shame because it had a really good start sure. um i watched death becomes her to get ready yes. to go see um death becomes her um starring one jinx monsoon and Ben de la creme oh, love put on it. by peaches christ here in seattle it was not as good as when i went to see the hocus pocus one i will okay. say that the okay. hocus pocus one is is real high watermark. Fair. This was really fun and really good. I know we talked about it real quick. Yeah, yesterday, I mean, it sounds fantastic. Jinx was so good, of and she, she was she was Meryl Streep. <sighs> it was so good. It was so good. Um, went with friend uh, and listener of the show, Christy, awesome. here up in Seattle, and um, it's nice to have a fellow uh, buddy to Very do cool. weird things with. We also so, went and saw of the, the two 30, of you, which one's Meryl and which one's Goldie? Um, I don't know. I think I want to be Goldie, but I don't know if that's fair. Well, okay. Just something to think about. <laughs> you could be Bruce Willis if you I want, want, I guess. No, okay. Well, there you go, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> in the drag, Bruce Willis, in the, in the drag show, the Bruce Willis character was better than um, how Bruce Willis was. Well, Bruce movie, Willis is kind so. of the worst, so fair. <laughs> Yes. Um, that leads nicely into went to see Shadow, a 35 millimeter screening of Shadow of a, Del- a Doubt here as well. Very cool. And that was really good. Um, Black Panther was great. Wasn't it great? It was so great. You, you saw it? We did. Yeah, we saw it um, in a packed movie theater at 10 a.m. 
uh, a lot of kids in the theater, really cute, like, little kids sitting next to Brandon who kept asking his parents questions about the movie. When we left, like, there was a, a little boy wearing a Black Panther mask. There was a little girl getting her picture taken in front of the sign. Like, everything about it was just like, yeah, man, yeah, this is how you do it. Yes. It was so good. We had a real hard time finding a screening that yeah, we could good. go to. Everything was sold out on Saturday. I love it. Like, we had to, like, drive. We had to order tickets and, like, and then drive there. It was weird and strange. And, like, I hadn't had that experience of, like, ha- having to hunt down. Right, wanting to see a movie that everybody else wanted to see, too. Yeah, it was, it was good. I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've heard really stupid criticisms oh, about it, but, I like... I- yeah, whatever. It's still a superhero movie. I don't know what you want. Exactly, exactly. If you don't want a superhero movie, don't go see one. Sure. Um, hey, I have a question for you. Oh, hey, I might have an answer for you. Have you, have you ever seen Deadly Blessing? That is the one with Sharon Stone. Yes, yes, I have. It has. It's kind of boring, and then it has the greatest ending of any movie ever. What the fuck is yep. with that ending? Oh my god, that ending is so great. I- I was ready to write it off, be like, oh, well, that was subpar at best. Yep. That ending was so bananas. Because it, the movie I loved has, it. like, some, it's it's a Wes Craven movie from 84 or so. Yep. Like, it's pre-everything. It's mostly known for, yep. for starring a young Sharon Stone who at one point eats a spider. Like, that's the big, you know, crazy thing about that movie. Except it's not. <laughs> the movie is so much crazier. It involves, like, it's, it's like the Amish. There's, like, a murderer in um, this Amish town. And Michael Berryman is there. And, and then it ends in the most shocking reveal that makes no sense but is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yep. Zach was talking about the end of that movie for, like, a week. Yeah. I... I it's really good and the rest of the you're so right the rest of the movie is just kind of middling Mm -hmm. and like but you get to that end and it kind of reframes how you feel about the rest of it very much like so i'm really glad you've seen it because if you hadn't i would have said you need to watch it (laughs) if not for the last 10 seconds just for that yeah oh i agree i do agree um it was that alone is worth it i Um, I could not have you seen summer of fear i have not with Linda Blair, also no. directed by Wes Craven. No, I have. Oh, it okay. It is a made-for-TV movie. I have not. Any good? <laughs> oh, please watch it. I will. <laughs> Writing it right now. Summer of if, year. I, if I don't, if this is an M, an Emily movie, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Is it on Amazon Prime? It sounds like it should be on Amazon Prime. I don't, I honestly didn't, we rented it because I saw it on Blu-ray and I was like, oh, we should totally get this. <laughs> we need this um, in high I def. Didn't bother. I, I will find yeah, it. I need it now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bother to look to see if, um, if it was streaming anywhere. Okay. Um, I saw a movie and was really disappointed by it. Oh, I'm sorry. And it was called Tragedy Girls. Uh, what is this thing? I've, I, I know it's like out in theaters now. It? What is it? Tragedy Girls? It's streaming somewhere. And, you know, remember when we could only stre- really stream things on Netflix? So when you said it was streaming, you meant Netflix. Like everybody knew it. And now it's yep. just like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's somewhere. Yeah. Because uh, you have Hulu, which I don't have. And so there's always that yeah. when you're like, it's streaming. I'm like, oh, Might great. Know. And then I'm like, I can't find it. I'm like, it must be on Hulu. It, or, yeah, I mean... 
I don't know, man. It's just there's so many. We'll talk about this when we when we talk about Mulholland Drive. We discovered a new streaming thing. Ooh, okay. Um, but this movie has um the girl who is in season two of um the Exorcist show, which if anybody watches that, oh, she's in that. But she's that. also Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Deadpool. She has a shaved head sometimes. Brianna and she's fantastic, and I love her, and I don't know. She was great. Is that her name? Brianna Hildebrand, yes. Oh, well, there you go. So some, at least one of us knows what's going on. And then the <laughs> other girl is is um, somebody, too. And I'm trying to look her up, but my internet's being stupid. Um, but, so the two girls in it are fantastic. And it, it's, it's, like, it's like got a teenage slant to it, kind of like I struggle to liken it to hashtag horror, but kind of mm, like hashtag okay. horror. It was all right there for me. It was like, Christine, we made, here we go. Yeah. We made this for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you, Tragedy Girls. <laughs> and then there's something about it that was super hollow for me. Yeah. It wasn't fun. It wasn't good. I didn't, I still can't put my finger on what exactly fell flat. Mm. But like, Zach and I, halfway through it, we looked at each other and was like, this is, we're not enjoying this, right? Because, but like, if you put it all on paper, it it's exactly the type of movie that I would like. That's a shame. It's weird. Yeah. If you if you get a chance to look at it, I would just be curious to hear if you felt the same or maybe if it worked for you. Okay. I mean, it's a good. The, I mean, the synopsis: a twist on the slasher genre, following two death obsessed teenage girls who use their online show about real life tragedies to send their small midwestern town into a frenzy and cement their legacy as modern horror legends. Like, that sounds like it could be great or terrible. So, um, I will give it a go to just so. And if I hate it, then it's your fault. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, all I'll, right. I'll check it out for you. For you, I'll do it. Thanks. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, coming up on the end here. Don't worry. That's cool. Um, Day of the Dead Bloodline. Do you know that this is a movie that exists? So, this is not the remake of Day of the Dead? No, it's Dead not the remake. That's it's not a sequel the sequel. Mila Kunis to one. Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Not the one where Ving Rhames eats his eyeball. I forgot that Ving Rhames eats his eyeball in that. Uh, this Look, everybody. One... Ving Rhames eats his eyeball in Day of the Dead. <laughs> this is Day of the Dead. 2018. This is a brand new one. Okay, no, I don't yeah, know this one. It's okay. So I saw. We saw it in Target. Which is, was weird. And we were like, oh my gosh, we need to immediately rent this movie. We need to get this movie in front of us. I think we got it from Redbox. So it's around. Like, it's not hard okay. to find or anything. Um, that's not me endorsing it in any way. <laughs> like, if you if you want to <laughs> see this movie, it's out there for you to see. Um, it, it, it wasn't great at all. Which is a shame. Is it a remake of Day? I mean, the synopsis kind of sounds like a... I mean, yes, yes, but but not really. I'm looking, I don't, I don't know why but I'm yeah. finding this so amusing. <laughs> I'm on the IMDb page for it, and I see quotes, and I see one quote, so I click on quotes to see if there's any more, but no, there's only one quote showing for Day of the Dead Bloodline, and the quote is, you know what I miss, man? A nice, greasy cheeseburger and fries. If that's the best line that somebody on IMDb thought your movie had, <laughs> not the best sign. Yeah, it's... It's not the fact that it was super low budge and was like, and clearly had some like Eastern European act, act, 
characters in it. That wasn't what did it. Like, I, I'm, fi- I'm still fine. I'm still on board with your movie. Like, I just didn't understand the rules of the movie, and I didn't <laughs> understand characters. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a little flailing. Yeah. But um, of all people, you should know that this exists. Oh, thank you. And I'm looking at the so. cast list, and you're so right. These names are very Eastern European. Which again, I'm not completely out. If that's sure. if that's what what's going on in your movie, I'm fine. I'm still in. But then when when everybody's making weird choices and mm-hmm. it's just I bizarre, I do. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, went to see Annihilation in the movie theater. Oh, I am really intrigued to hear what you think. Did you see it? No, I haven't question. seen it. Uh, when it hits Netflix, apparently, like next week, um, I'll probably watch it at some point. I know some people I think love you it. I'm not one of those people. Um, This was one of the rare moments where there was that moment where Zach and I looked at each other in the theater and I was like, oh no, he's completely out. He's done. And he did. He he had checked out. He he thought it was stupid and laughable and he couldn't stand anything about it. But I was still like hanging on. And then the end does some some shit that people either really like or really dislike. I was like, okay with it. But... I was okay with a lot of it. I think what really got me was more of the idea of of what the story was about okay. rather than the way that it was chosen to be presented to me, which isn't always great in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> that true. that tells me that maybe I should read the book, but like I'm not I'm not throwing it a ticker tape parade, but I'm also not like gonna tell other people that they're dumb for liking it not sure. that i would ever do that it's but a shame because i, I like alex I was garland little, I, and ex mach i loved ex mach me too yep and it absolutely has shades of that okay. like you can tell like he knows what he's doing and there's some really effective things mm. and i don't want to spoil anything for you but the, it dips into themes that Okay. Are usually very affecting to me. Mm. So I don't know if I was affected by the mere existence of those themes in this movie or if it really was the story itself and the way it was presented. Okay. Interesting. Watch it and then we'll Oh, talk I will about report it. back. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I watched a movie that I am highly recommending even though the cover art for it looks stupid. It is called Don't Knock Twice. Hmm. Um, okay. And the lady that played Starbuck and Battlestar Galactica, oh. whose name I can't think and of right who now. Was and an Oculus, right? The mom and Oculus? Katie uh, who was an Oculus? Who was an Oculus? Katie Sobkoff or something Sa- like that, right? yeah, 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 that's it, that's it. Thank you so much. Who was also in Halloween she... Resurrection. Yes! Oh, I love her. So she is the mom in this, too. This movie was really creepy. Um, it's good, but the, the cover art looks stupid, and everywhere I've seen it, it has bad ratings okay which i don't get because i thought it was really well done and kind of creepy hmm, okay i'll put it on my so list. i don't know if i it, that was streaming somewhere too i don't know if it's streaming somewhere that you could see it <laughs> i will look for it and let you know um we're around in the bend here i we watch veronica like everybody else Ooh, did. okay what did, did you, you watch it no i have not watched it i'm one of yes. i'm not everybody else christine i'm not that's true you're your own person um it was good, not great. The kids in it are the strongest thing because it's okay. basically about a teenage girl and then all the little, all her little siblings she takes care of. Okay, I, I should watch it because I know everybody has a, everybody has an opinion now, and I would like to be one of those everybody's. Look, get get out there and get your own opinion. I shall. Um, 
it, I didn't think it was scary, but I don't usually think like possessiony. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like Ouija board stuff is scary, you know. Gotcha. Um, watch watch Little Evil, which I thought was going to be stupid. It's the Adam it's Scott. It's really fun. Like, Isn't funny. It? I liked it. Yeah. Right. You said you liked it. I thought I did. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't remember if it was you or my mom. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> to get you too confused. No, I take but, that as a compliment. I like your mom. Zach was like, oh, we should give this a shot because we couldn't pick up, we couldn't land on anything else. Mm-hmm. I was like, somebody said they liked it. <laughs> um, so we we did it. We watched it and it was it was like a lot better than I yeah, was anticipating for it's whatever reason. Fun little I, omen I know off. that horror comedy, exactly, horror comedy is so tough yeah. that I just always start like, oh, this is going to be really bad if yeah. it's bad. Um. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it though. Good, so good, thank you for that inadvertent recommend that I forgot <laughs> I do that you what gave I me. And then finally, we went to the theater last week and we saw the new Strangers movie. Oh, you dug this, did you not? Can I tell you that this was a good movie? This was a good movie. I am really happy to hear that. I was shocked how good it was. That's that's good. To, I like the first one. I don't think this is the same director. I think this is a somebody that's done so other too. stuff. Um, but it's a um, I mean, simple. Sure, make this into a franchise. Uh, I, you liked it. Like you just felt like it was a well done movie, right? I think is kind of what you said on Twitter. Um, I I didn't like the first Strangers. I thought it was a little. I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Mm. There was I, I ended up rolling my eyes by the end of it. Like, sure. But whatever. I it's fine. I obviously was fine enough with the premise to go see another version mm. of it. But like, I thought it was interesting how they expanded the setting. I thought the music choices were great. There is one scene that was gorgeous, intense, and disturbing, and it was just ve- ve- visually very like stimulating, and like the characters were really good. Like you felt good when like somebody fought back and you got scared mm-hmm. when somebody was in peril okay and, cool like, with you know, it's sometimes tough to to create that kind yeah, of tension yeah especially yeah i think we looked this movie barely clocks in at like an hour and a half oh i love it i love when movies it's do like that it's a yeah really trim little film so like you think you got you got to get some some you know, stabbing and killing going, but also you need to develop these characters and you have this such a small like time to mm-hmm. do that. But I thought it was really effective. I haven't heard anybody else say anything else about mm-hmm. it. So I don't know if people like it or hate it. I think um, some I of the know. NOTLP like... crew might have, might be extras in it in like a scene or two. I think you might be able to see them, but I'm not sure. <gasps> Shut I, Cause up, I believe really? it was filmed in Cincinnati or like in that area. And I think um, somehow they were, like there for a day or something i know i i haven't listened i don't i think they were going to record an episode on it or something uh but i'm pretty sure if you look Mm -hmm. really closely you might be able to see some of them but i could be wrong about that stop it that's even better now you have to go see it again i think feel like it'll i feel like it'll end up streaming Mm -hmm. because this feels very streamy to me um i feel like it kind of exists where like the purge movies do yeah like stylistic and and like really and just a really tight mm-hmm. like here you go you know what you're getting and when people movie. eventually see it they're all shocked but by, by by saying like oh that was actually good i can't believe it like because 
people don't believe that good movies come out, good horror movies come out in theaters anymore. I know, and I that's so stupid. I can't, I can't even address that. I know, I but know. um, I was really, I was really pleased at how interesting and good it was. Cool. So very cool. That's a heavy recommend. Nice from me. I feel like I saw something else in the theater and I didn't like it. Oh. Did I see something else last weekend? Can't remember. If I think of it, I'll shout it out. Please. You go ahead. Preferably in the middle of anything. Like, on the street. Like, you're While at you're... work and you're on a, on a call <laughs> and you just remember it and just shout it at them. That's, that's what I'm like hoping you three, do. Like, three weeks from now? Yes. The new Tyler Perry movie. Like, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Those are all of your watches. Yes. All right. So, my list, again, because we, on our last episode, we didn't do our oh, recent Oh, Hurricane watches. Heist. It Hurricane. was Hurricane Heist. What's Hurricane Heist? I don't watch. I like never oh know what anything is anymore. Maggie Grace. Hurricane and... Heist. Is... <laughs> I can't believe I forgot it. <laughs> um. Oh, it's the dude that did the Fast and the Fur- the first Fast and the Furious. Furious. He was not a very good director. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay. Look, I saw. Remember, I saw. Geostorm, you hadn't seen Geostorm, right? I have right? not seen Geostorm, no. Um, so, if any of our listeners saw Geostorm and was like, man, I wish there was just more storm in it, <laughs> you know what you should see? You should see Hurricane Heist, because okay. it's the exact movie that I wanted <laughs> um, Geostorm to be. That, um, I mean, how much uh, better so can sell my... a movie, you know? It's got Jason Stackhouse from true blood if you're into that and he's really charismatic and maggie grace is really good in it so like it's not winning any awards but it's like it's it's a it's a movie like it's not a mess and i felt like geostorm was kind of a mess um but i mean do 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 or do not there is no try (laughs) either you're gonna go see you're either gonna see a movie called hurricane heist or you're not so now i feel like now i kind of want to um I don't. I know I don't, but deep down I kind of do. So when it hits streaming. Did you ever see Torque? Torque? No, I didn't see Torque. Okay, so like if you're a fan of Torque, then you <laughs> might like more Arcane storms Heist. in your Torque. So less Geo yes. in your storms, more hurricanes, less Torque is what you're saying. Yep. Okay. 100%. You did yeah. it. You nailed it. All right. Awesome. Okay, sorry. Now that's go cool. Ahead. No, my my list is, is a weird mix of things. All right, I'm just gonna fly through it. Uh, on Netflix Instant, there's a horror movie called Firstborn, and I thought it was gonna be really bad because the cover art looked kind of cheap. Um, it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's a young couple, and the, the leads are really good. The two leads, it's a couple. Um, they are incredibly attractive human beings and they were very good actors. So it was just one of those movies that was like pleasant to watch because I really liked watching these two people act. Uh, they have a child while she is pregnant, weird things happen. And so she's pretty sure like there's either her baby's possessed or a demon's trying to get her baby. And it's a pretty cool um, kind of concept is that somehow the father's family is sort of cursed and some of the people in their family can are sort of like entry ports for demons. So if there's if you have like a toy with a face that a demon can get through that and connect to you, so they have to protect their mm-hmm. daughter and she can't have any toys with faces on it and everything. Um, it was 
it was better than it if you saw this poster on netflix you would think this was gonna be a really cheap horror movie it was actually pretty good and had good jump scares and i say that as somebody who isn't really affected by jump scares but there were a few that kind of did Mm -hmm. get me so um a mild recommend on that that front uh, a movie I have no idea how I heard of it, but it showed up from Netflix. Doomsdayer from 2001 with Udo Kier. This Ooh, is that sounds fun. This is fun. It is very fun. This is not an asylum movie, but it might as well be an asylum movie. It feels like an asylum version of James Bond, and that is as great as it sounds. Uh, Udo Kier is trying to take over the world with the help of his wife Brigitte Nielsen. Uh, there is a James Bond-esque character, everything, the entire movie is slow motion. Like, of the 90-minute running time, this movie probably was like 20 minutes, and then the director was like, oh no, it's too short, I guess I'm just gonna make this scene in slow motion, and this scene. It is so cheesy, it's beautiful. I got it as a long wait on Netflix, so I don't think it's readily available, and you shouldn't really invest any money or time in finding it but if by some chance it shows up in front of you um it's great it's really really great uh i watched a movie that i oh oh oh! i'm like i don't remember this one but now i do uh this came courtesy of james and angela recommended dismissed on netflix this is about a mm-hmm. teacher in high school and there's this new student that transfers and the student's like scary smart and scary motivated and also a sociopath who starts messing with oh, the teacher love that. and the teacher won't give him like a passing grade. So then of course the sociopath like decides to destroy him. Uh, feels like a lifetime mm-hmm. movie, but pretty good. I liked it. I think like James and Angela thought it was stupid, but I kind of enjoyed it. So, um, okay. <laughs> also an Amazon prime, a movie from like 1998 called paranoia with Larry Drake as a, man who so he kills an entire family but leaves except for like the young daughter and he goes to prison for a long time but he gets but in prison he has like access to i guess america online and he's able to um uh dm or im whatever the kids called it back then with the the now grown woman who he did not kill but he killed her family uh so he gets out of jail and he's like going to find her and she meanwhile is like ready for it so it's going to be a showdown this is a pretty stupid movie on Amazon Prime, but um, I don't know. It's very 90s, again. If we're, if that's the theme of the day, then that's something for you. Uh, also on Amazon Prime, a movie that I think... I'm, you, I wonder if you've seen this. I feel like you should have based on the cast. Kristen Stewart and Nicholas oh, okay. Holt in Equals. Does this ring a bell to you? Yes, I have, I have seen that. What did you think of um, it? It's like future world yeah it's like like, 1984 brave new world-esque nobody's allowed to have emotions everything is very white and yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, do you remember it do you remember liking i liked parts of it i don't think i was over the moon for it but like i think i really liked the performances in it and i thought there were some good you know themes and ideas presented did you enjoy it um i couldn't decide i liked the look i liked the design of it I, I and I really liked the cast. I thought Kristen Stewart was great. Um, Nicholas Holt, my God, he's a pretty man. I didn't realize how pretty he is. He's really pretty. Yeah, I know, right? And okay, I've never felt this way before. But my God, Guy Pierce in that movie was sexy as fuck. 
Do you remember him in it? Yeah, he's really good in it too. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I've always Guy Pierce is a great actor. He's everybody's really good. Yeah, in it. and he's I don't know why, but I found him very sexy in that movie. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a well. Yep. The, the elements are there. I think overall, it's it's when you like try to sum it up and you think about what happens, it, it just feels very like it has this great concept and great world with good actors playing interesting characters. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about the story that it doesn't go anywhere big to where it has any mm-hmm. like real stakes or something. So yeah, it was I'm glad I watched it, but it's it, it definitely feels like it just doesn't hit its mark that it kind of sets up for itself. Yeah. Um also on Amazon Prime, uh The Cutting Edge 2. It's a sequel to Ooh, The Cutting Edge. That's that's good. Yeah. There you go. So, um, so uh, Kate and Doug's daughter is now a figure skater, and she gets hurt. So she, instead of being a single skater, she has to become a pair skater. And oh my god, can you believe it? She falls in love with her partner. Yeah. What? And it is uh, so. Who to thunk it? So the actor is playing um, the uh, Doug and Kate roles are not DB Sweeney and um, Moira Kelly, but they kind of look like them, but they don't. So it ends up feeling. Um, like remember in the like nineties when movies would get turned into TV, into TV shows and they would occasionally try to find an actor that looked like the hot new star, but they didn't really, that's kind of what this movie felt like. But the best thing about this is the figure skating, the physics of figure skating in this movie are impossible. And their big move that their Pomchenko, if you will, is that he, Uh he does, um, you know, a throw jump with her where he throws her in the air. So she's doing like a quad twist while she's doing well after he throws her he does a triple axel and catches her and no that is not how anything works but it happens in the movie and that's that uh couple okay moving on so so did you like it though christine my name is emily and travia of course i love the cutting edge too of course i did Okay, I just I, I couldn't tell by that. I, by that I know um, you're, that's breakdown. Fair. I was that's I think it was just assumed that it was a figure skating movie, so obviously I, I'm going look, to love it. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, from Netflix <laughs> disc, this is to to pair up the Cutting Edge two. I naturally followed that with Four Flies on Grey Velvet by Dario Argento, which I still have not seen. This was my first time seeing it. I just had also never seen it. I am not the biggest giallo fan i am not the biggest argento fan i like some of what he does giallo in general for me is um i won't even say hit or miss sometimes here and there i know there are great ones and i know i've seen some of the great ones but very often Mm -hmm. it a mediocre to not good giallo for me is not fun to watch um i think this one was was better than mediocre this is this is good um but as I'm saying that, I don't remember anything about it. So I guess that says something. It's it's pretty, it's it's fine. Everybody who is a kind of horror fan, especially of that era, should watch it if you haven't already. Um, but mm-hmm. I am finding it hard-pressed to remember anything about it right now after it being like three weeks and so Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah, so I guess, it's, again, it's not necessarily a jab against the movie. It's just, it's not a genre that really like really really speaks to me so if it's not don't torture a duckling which i think is was like my favorite one um i don't know if i'll remember it later so that's what happened here uh i had told you about this but i don't think i told the world about this i saw jumanji in 4d 
did we talk about that? We didn't Yay! talk about that. Yeah, so um, we did. We you and I did. About it. Yeah. I don't know because I was so excited because it was the day after we recorded our episode where we talked about 4D and how like what is it? What do they do? And the next day. It was for um, my birthday and my husband's birthday are really close together. So sometimes we'll like we wanted to do something special. So we were tra- we go down to Midtown. We were trying to find like a Broadway show to go see. We can't find anything. Mm-hmm. Finally, we're like, let's just go to the movies. Let's just see a movie today. We get to the movie theater. We're looking like what's playing, and I see Jumanji 4D. I'm like, that's it. Thirty dollars each. It was meant to be. Exactly. Oh my god, that yeah. hurts my soul. I know. Oh, believe me. But again, because we were like had been planning on paying more than that for a Broadway show, we were I'm like, no, this yeah. is a bargain. It's great. Jumanji as a movie was a delight. That is the like the blueprint for how to make a mainstream family movie that like appeals to all ages, kind of thing. It was just fun. All the actors are great. The script is not mean. It it gives all of those characters mm-hmm. an arc and a place to start where they're not just, you know, where it could have, that could have gone very wrong in the wrong screenwriter and production team's yep. hands, and it doesn't. Uh, as far as the 4D goes, um, yeah, so they shake you around a lot on the seat, and especially that movie where there's a stampede. But what's really key, and they yep. occasionally <laughs> spray, like, pops of water at you. The thing that I found really interesting is where it gets, like, almost artistic. And it made me really wonder about who designs the actual flow of the seat moving and and when it happens. Because there is a scene where two characters kiss, and the chair actually does this, like... uh, I'm trying to describe it. I'm using my hands, but that doesn't help in a podcast. Like, basically, (laughs) the chair simulates this sweeping movement that you have when you have a great kiss. And it's this really, like, I looked at, at Brandon when that happened. We were both were like, that was, like, really a way to actually use this technology, not just for the, oh, we're spurting water at you. Oh, we're shaking you around. Like, yeah. no, this was actually in tune to the, to the emotion of the movie, which was really interesting to me. And then I, so I, I'm curious how those decisions are made. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, again, I feel like everybody should try 4D once, but um, I don't know that I ever need to do it again. Uh, okay, just a few more. Look, you're making me you're making me really regret not seeing Jigsaw in 4D. I, I that is the movie to do it with. I I do if a like, man the next if they do Final Destination that way, I got to do it. If they do a Purge movie <gasps> that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we Jigsaw was the first time we really noticed it, and we went like, "What the fuck?" Like but we didn't do it because we didn't know way. what to expect. Yeah. Now imagine what they could have done with Jigsaw. A lot of shaking, like a lot of shaking. Yeah, sort of barfed. Yeah, um, like I'm thinking, like it's because you oh, have like, your you head in the thing, and it's got to simulate that. Like I feel like Jigsaw would just be painful that way. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really appreciative that you were able to bring us that yes, review. Yes, I felt, and like as soon as it happened, I was so excited. I was going to text you from the movie theater, but I think I emailed you as soon as I could. <laughs> I was so excited to tell you about it. Uh, all right, let's see a few more on Netflix. I watched extract with jason bateman and mila kunis this is a mike judge movie who did idiocracy and king of the hill and so on and office mm-hmm. space okay. uh i just randomly felt like okay let me just watch a comedy this is a really odd one um it because it's similar many in in tone to uh, office space rather it is about um jason bateman owns a 
small company that makes like um, a sort of like uh, you call it an extract. So <laughs> that's what it's called. It's called the title of the movie. And he's, okay. he's kind of an asshole. Like he's kind of put upon, but he's also kind of an asshole. And Kristen Wiig is his wife, and she's fabulous, but she's also kind of an asshole. And it, it's a weird movie because it's it's funny, but it's with rare exception. Like there's one subplot involving um, this this really dumb guy who he pays to seduce his wife that I found really funny because I just found the actor like just what the actor was doing really made me laugh but I didn't laugh at anything else and it was one of those it wasn't like overly mean it wasn't like a a really cruel comedy but I just felt like I I didn't I, I felt bad for Jason Bateman and then I felt like he was a dick and then I didn't know where the movie wanted me to sit and what I was supposed to be like rooting for so it was an odd one. Um, and huh. I, I, I don't know if I've ever even seen this go by. I re- it, it was maybe like 2008 or so, somewhere around there. It was like mid-2000s. Uh, people are using flip phones in it. So it's like that's Interesting. one of those like weird things that very much sets the movie at a certain time where you start to wonder, why aren't they? Oh, right, because it's it's not 2010 yet. Um yeah, I'd be curious if you watch it ever. Like, it has a ridiculous cast. Beth Grant is in it. Um, mm-hmm. J.K. Uh, Simmons is fantastic in it. But again, like, he's funny, but he's also playing a complete asshole. Ben Affleck is in it. it. It's strange. I don't know. And I know Mike Judge is very much one of those, you know, kind of dry humor. And I like Idiocracy a lot. I, I like Office Space a lot. I love King of the Hill. But I don't know with this one, and because I hate being like doing the whole oh, I didn't like anybody, so I didn't like the movie. It wasn't that per se. It was I, I was really conflicted about what the movie was trying to do with these characters and what it was mm-hmm. trying to say, and it felt like it wasn't funny enough for me to just get over that or just enjoy it as a movie. So I don't know. It was just a, like a weird, weird failure of a movie for me. Um. Okay, just a couple more. On Netflix, uh, not Netflix, on TCM, Turner Classic Movies, I had recorded, I didn't know that Charlton Heston was ever in a movie about killer ants, but he was. Uh, This is the Naked Jungle from like late 50s, early 60s. Charlton Heston is an American who buys a, like owns, is sort of like a rancher in Brazil, I think, somewhere in South America. And he has he has a male order bride come to stay with him, and she's amazing. I can't remember the actress's name, but she but it's it's a movie that's actually really interesting in terms of what it's doing with that aspect to it and the gender politics and all of that. Uh, and then at a certain point, there are killer ants, not like giant them ants, but just there's like a horde of ants that are tearing through um, his ranch. I was gonna say, how big are these ants? They, they are very little. They are very little ants. They are ant-sized, if you will. Uh, I, I enjoyed okay. this. Um, odd to contextualize it with my other movies, but I did like it a lot. Another movie I liked a lot that I know you liked a lot on Amazon Prime, Wish Upon. Oh, you did like it! This movie was a delight. I loved this. Um, I mean, yeah, you I had made the point, too. and I completely agreed that the lead, the lead, and the lead actress is really good, um, and this character is such a teenager 
and she is selfish and she makes the wrong decisions and she is mm-hmm. awful but not in a unwatchable way she's awful in being a bratty 16 year old who doesn't know what to do with her emotions so when she is given this terrible tool to do terrible things with them she does terrible things with them uh but yep. i found her fascinating and like it's one of those movies where yeah you're frustrated by an, a character's decisions but you totally understand them so it's not like you're ready to turn the movie off like mm-hmm. you want to see where it goes you're just you're rooting for her to do the right thing but you understand why she's not uh and the rest of the cast was great like um the i mean barb from stranger things was in it but the other girl playing her friend i really liked uh the the kid um the actor who's in the Maze Runner and who's on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, like I love seeing that guy yep. get work. Uh, like I'm excited for that guy to have this great career. Um, this was just mm-hmm. it was, like really fun. I really enjoyed it. So a pleasant. Yeah, pleasant I felt watch. the same way. Yeah. Uh, okay, another movie that my God, I loved. Uh, you another one that you had talked about not that long ago, and I had gotten the disc from Netflix, and I was all excited to watch it. And this was The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, what did you think? I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I liked Dogtooth, and I really liked The Lobster. So when I put this on, I was, it was, I wasn't sure at first, because it felt, um, especially the opening maybe half hour or so, where the dialogue feels Mm -hmm. very akin to The Lobster. Where The Lobster has, has, and this does too, this very character speak in this very kind of deliberate, monotone way of talking to pe- to each other that people don't really do. And for a bit, I was kind of like, oh, okay, is this just what he's going to do in every movie? But it, y- whether I kind of eased into it or the movie just took enough turns that I kind of, that that became a part of it and made sense for me. Um, but this, I'm watching it and I'm liking it and I'm liking it. And then it gets darker and darker and funnier and funnier in the darkest way possible that at a certain point when I realized how dark it was going and how in this darkness of storytelling, how that these characters were now um, characters yeah. that, you know, how um, it, this isn't spoiling anything, how these children were also suddenly becoming uh, manipulative. I was mm-hmm. so happy. <laughs> There's a scene where I realized what one of the characters was doing, what he was trying to get out of another character and I just was like, holy shit, yes, that is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I really liked this. And I am excited. I actually started trying to track down now this guy is, I can't even, I'm not even going to bother to say the director's name because I can't pronounce Greek. Um, I know he has made quite a few films before Dogtooth that are in Greek. So I'm trying to find them because I just want to watch everything this guy's done now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You liked it too, right? Yeah, I'm... Um... Oh, I loved it. And I I think, and it took me a little bit to get into gear with the movie. Yeah. Like, it's not like there was anything wrong. It's just, it's really, you have to kind of ease into this yeah. universe. And by the time, I don't know, 20 minutes goes by, you're 100% in. Like, yes. like yeah, of course, this is, this is great. And I, all of this makes sense to me. Oh, so yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. And I love the, uh, the career Colin Farrell now has. The whole how once he got past the leading manness of his twenties, now when he's playing like yep. a doughy dad, he's so good, and he be, he's become such an interesting so actor in his middle age, I guess. And of course, Nicole mm-hmm. Kidman is a goddess, and we know that. So, ah, uh, okay. Yep. 
just a few more. Um, uh, okay, another Netflix movie that, again, I don't remember how I found out about it, um, but I'm so glad I did. And this was Born in Flames, Lizzie Borden's first film. So uh, do you do you know anything about this? Does this ring a bell? Did you ever do anything with Lizzie Borden? No. Or this movie for the magazine? So Lizzie Borden it no. was a... I mean, she still is. I think she's still working. Um, independent filmmaker. This is from 1984, 83, I think. And this is a independent, like, made for pennies over the course of five years. Done as a sort of pseudo-documentary. It's, it's like, referred to as sci-fi, which I don't really understand. Basically, it takes place in a near future where um, the United States has become a socialist republic. And the movie is sort of... Um, looking at this from a couple of points of view of these different feminist activists. And so it's looking at it from like a black lesbian feminist and then from the sort of um, like white musician feminist and all these different groups that are trying to get equality and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, this movie is very, I guess, like kind of punk, if you will. It's independent. It feels like a movie. It feels like a 1970s movie. Um it's really badass, and I'm not doing it justice because I feel like there's a lot more. And you should look into this director. She made, no, it sounds really good. And after this, the next movie she made was called Working Girls, and it was a similar kind of sort of fake documentary about prostitute about prostitutes, um, but again done from mm-hmm. this super feminist, uh, progressive activist point of view. So um, it just really interesting stuff and I guess it's not that I think like the movie has started to have I think it must have had like a release or like a museum release or something a couple of years ago because if you start mm-hmm. googling like it comes up a lot and you see it referenced very much um, actually I'm reading a book from the library right now that I took out because I was as I was like learning more about the movie I saw that there is a film criticism book uh, from the late 90s called what is it called? I think it's called like feminist Hollywood from born in flames to point break. And it just takes like six female directors and breaks down their work. And so Lizzie Borden is one. Um, I feel like I, I'm hoping like there's like some listeners out there who are like, Oh yeah, you got to do this and this and this and, and find this and read this by this woman. Um, because I, I'm like ashamed that I had never heard of this movie or this uh, director because it really does feel like, Oh, this, this was a movement in feminist cinema and it's not readily known it plays really well. I mean, it's made for pennies, and not everybody in it's an actor. Catherine Bigelow is actually in it as an actor, which is interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, but it's it's very watchable still, and it's really entertaining. And I feel like I'm not equipped to talk about it in this way because it's something that I'm sure there have been like other essays and you know film studies and feminist studies written about it because it's so that kind of movie. So I would urge mm-hmm. everybody to seek it out if you can. Uh, I did get it from Netflix from as a disc. It was a long wait, but I did get it. So okay. it's out there. It's out there. And my and I, I didn't. I, and I I wonder if I can get it at Scarecrow. I try it there. Yeah. I mean, I forget which label put it out, but it did have some like special features. So it's definitely like a real DVD oh, release. Uh, your library might have it too. Who knows? Uh, okay. okay. I will look for it. Yeah. Uh, then I watched um, 
two documentaries that were nominated for Best Picture. Uh, one that won Best Picture, actually, uh, not or Best Documentary at the Oscars, and that was Icarus, which is on Netflix, which I highly recommend. It is about the oh, okay, like, discovery okay. of the Russian doping. Good. I think you'd enjoy this. Uh, it's 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 a well done documentary. It's entertaining. It moves really well, and it really just like my God, Russia really got away with a lot for a long time, and really are still getting away with a lot. But anyway, uh, and mm-hmm. also Strong Island, which. Uh, I was interested in because it is about a case in Central Islip, which is a few towns away from where I grew up in Long Island. This, it's an interesting documentary because it is, it is about, um, you know, the murder of this, this young black man who uh, was murdered and then the murderer was not prosecuted. And it is his sister who is in, I think at the time of the film, the filmmaker is presented as a as a female uh he is transgendered and i believe now goes goes as uh, identifies as male uh so it's hard for me to say he she just because in the movie Mm -hmm. this person is uh, refers to this person as being his sister so uh but it's very much just a personal story about how this affected this family but also goes into this sort of new segregation that was happening in the 70s and 80s with Long Island, but other places as well, uh, where the mm-hmm. you had communities that were basically being um, designed to be black communities. So when people that worked in the city came out to move to the suburbs and find housing, uh, realtors showed them houses in neighborhoods that were where they were essentially I mean almost hurting black people to very much segregate Long Island which is just a a strange thing that I never really had had a realization of so um, it's an interesting documentary from that doesn't answer questions I think it's more about asking questions so it, it's worth mm-hmm. a watch. I think it frustrated some people who thought they were getting a very different story of, oh, I want to know what happened. I want to, I want this case solved. It's not about that. It's more about kind of how, how this um, affected and was affected and was caused by just a lot of other factors and what it does to, to a family and all that. So, okay. And then um, I finally watched Big Little Lies and it was so good. I know. Yeah. I was super like. Like, I'm not going to like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like, I can never leave the house again until I finished all of this. Yeah, I think I watched it over the course of two weekends. And I could have could have done it all in one day, probably. <laughs> Nicole Kidman is so good. Yes. And uh, another show that completely acknowledges, yeah, we know Nicole Kidman and Alexander Sarsgaard are incredibly attractive people. Everybody knows that. We're not pretending they're not. Um, but you know what the best thing about yes. that show was? I'm sorry. Fucking Reese Witherspoon is a goddess. She's so good. Like, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed her oh and my how God. good she was. She, I mean, she was basically playing Tracy Flick, like, as a, uh, there's, don't mind yeah. the police coming to get me. But she's basically playing oh, a... Oh, there's somebody, there's somebody revving an old truck, like, right next to my window, and I'm ready to go out there and stab them. <laughs> nice. It's super obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, I, there is a police chase in my neighborhood, but that's just details. Um, but yeah, Reese Witherspoon was my everything on that show. I just, I loved her so much. Uh, yeah. So having said all that. Yeah. I, 
I really like Shailene in it, She's and great. I don't typically enjoy mm-hmm. her. Yeah. And I don't think – it made me really think, oh, maybe it's not her. Maybe I really just don't like the characters that sure. she gets cast at. Because typically. that was also a really tricky – like, all the roles were kind of tricky in, in different ways, I guess. Um, and hers was it, – it, that could have been played very differently. And I do really like what she did with that character, where you're – yeah, you're immediately you know she's there's like a softness to her where you're immediately with her as a mother, but there's also this really interesting darkness that I think she played really well and really powerfully. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, cool. So that was a, a lot of what we've been watching. Uh, having said that, what do you want to talk about first? Three amigos. Uh, do you want to do chronological? Yeah, let's do chronological. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We are going to go put on our hats and our chaps and mount those horses and uh, ride into the sunset, are we not? My little buttercup has the sweetest smile. Dear little buttercup, won't you stay a while? Come with me where moonbeams paint the sky And you and I might linger in the sweet by and by Oh, dear little buttercup with your eyes so blue Oh, little buttercup, you're a dream come true Well, now here we are with 1986's infamous Three Amigos, which I saw in the theaters, I think, and that made me realize I wanted to look at exactly when this was released and whether or not, um, December 1986, okay, because I thought this might have been like one of the first movies I remember seeing in the theater, but I think Mm -hmm. that honor still goes to Little Shop of Horrors, which was also 86, but was earlier in the year, so this was December, so, um... I was four, and I know I remember oh, seeing it on the screen. Holy crap! Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is one of those movies, and I know, like, I mean, I grew up with it, and I know a lot of people of my my generation who have that same experience, who quote the same things. Um, the many jokes I didn't get as a kid or didn't even realize they were jokes, and I watch it now, and I'm like, oh, oh my, I kept their head full. The fact that this movie gave me a very deep crush on Martin Short, because, I mean, he he was little, and, like, when you're four years old, Martin Short is the kind of man you can see yourself marrying, because he's not that much taller than you. Uh, And, again, watching it uh, this, this week, I watched it with my husband, who also grew up with it, and it was one of those movies where I knew, I'm like, I... I can see flaws in this movie, I can see things that don't work. Um, but I have such a, uh, relationship with it that I, I really, I see myself looking past all of them, but, uh, mm-hmm. let me hear it, miss. First, tell the world what the movie's about, and then I want to hear what you had to think for your first time watching. Okay. Well, this movie, and I didn't know this, 
is actually like um, the mistaken identity movie. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't know that. So there's this town in Mexico that needs rescuing from from a very stereotypical villain El Guapo. named El Guapo. And this adorable lady sees a silent movie of these three dudes saving a similar town from a similar situation. So she writes a telegram, she sends a telegram saying, hey, can you come here and help us? And she doesn't have enough money to send the full telegram. So a very shortened and somewhat confusing version of it gets sent. Um, And the three gentlemen in question are Chevy Chase, Martin Short, and Steve Martin, if you didn't know, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. you do. Um, They get the telegram and think that it's for them to come out because they are actors Mm -hmm. to do like some kind of special engagement. Yeah. Yeah, like some with an, with another actor. Like it's they think it's going to be all fake, and they get there, and and it, it, hilarity ensues as they don't realize that they're in real peril, and then they do realize, and then they have to go and save the day. Yes. That's my uh, rundown of what happens in this movie. Uh, and I would agree with that. Uh, with with that synopsis. Thank you. So you had never seen it, but your husband was like me, right? He grew up a fan. Oh. My God, watching this movie with him was a fucking experience. <laughs> he was, he was laughing before things happened. Yep, yep. He had a realization halfway through. Oh my God, you must not get half the references I made. <laughs> and they said, "Yep, yeah, I told you I don't get that, or I don't understand." <laughs> I thought you were being facetious. No, I don't understand. I don't get what it's from. I don't understand it. Um. He loves it. He's a big comedy nerd. He's seen it a million times. He he was completely enamored by it, watching it again. Um, I liked it a lot more than I expected. Yay! That worried I, me. I, I, I liked it. It was a movie. It was an actual movie. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned that it was going to be a series of jokes I didn't laugh at sure. and mildly offensive stereotypes. Okay. I was... Genuinely concerned that it was going to be Mexican people are savages. Right. We don't we don't understand brown people. Look at all these people in brown face. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. Hey everybody, I didn't know what to expect. No, nope, that's fair. Um, that's fair. And I was genuinely surprised. Um, nothing beats at the beginning when it's John Lovitz, Phil Hartman, and oh, Fat Tony. Oh, that scene. Yeah. That scene. I'm like, I, that's it. It was worth it watching yep. it for that. Like, that a murderer's row, those oh, three. God. Philip E. Hartman, as he's credited in the credits. Uh, I mean, just, Angel. He's, and he's, oh, God. I mean, I said this on Facebook. Just every time I see him on screen, I get so sad because just what a talent and fantastic, you know, person. But um, he's so good in that scene. Like, there's so much happening, but just every so- time he picks up the phone, you know, bring in wardrobe. Just, he's so good. And it is just, ah, very, yeah. Very funny. So yep. that part was really funny. I really liked them. Now, I will say, like, so if you haven't seen this movie, obviously, you should probably see it. Because, like, that thing I do with a lot of stuff that I've never seen, where I go, like, I have the general idea. I don't right. ever need to see it. I did that with Pink Flamingos. Like, I was like, I, I get it. I, I oh, know yeah. what it's about. But then you see it, and you're like, well, actually, I, I guess I didn't really know yeah. what to expect. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you if you have, obviously, you already probably like it. But I will say that I really don't like Steve Martin. And oh I 
really don't like Chevy Chase, like, ever at all, even more so now. I think the issue um, with Chevy Chase is that Chevy Chase, I, I think, is a is a brilliant comedian as an actor. The problem, he this is a case where now that the world knows that Chevy Chase is a raging asshole, it makes it, re- this is a case where I do find it's hard sometimes to watch him on screen in certain parts. Because when he's playing a nice guy, I kind of just don't, I think to myself, and this is, I had this, um, ar- not argument, but like, like disagreement with Brandon a while back where uh, he, he had vacation on in the background and I'm watching it. And now like I, I grew up with vacation, National Lampoon's vacation. Like I, I same thing where like, I'm going to make references and get references, but watching it, like in, if you watch it from a certain point of view, I found it was, I'm like, I looked at Brandon and I said, you know, I bet if you watched this for the first time today, you would hate this movie or you would find it really mean spirited and, and Chevy Chase's character is an awful human being in va- in vacation. Uh, Emily, yeah, that I don't I don't hate him because he's a terrible person today. I hate him because of those movies. I mm. hated those movies and I hated him. I saw those movies yeah. when I was a kid. I never thought they were funny. Yeah, I always thought he was a piece of shit. That character, the Griswold yeah. character, and he is. I he is a piece never, of shit. I never liked those movies. So. I it's not even like through the lens of what sure. what like a what a cat what a bad person or whatever he is today. It is that I do not think in my soul <laughs> I do not think he is funny. Okay, and and it's it's so interesting. So this is this is obviously directed by Landis. Yep, um, who I love and who I'm finding I have more and more huge like spots that I've missed. Like yeah. Oh, um, I don't I've never really thought Steve Martin was funny, but there are parts in this movie where Steve Martin does something and I went, oh, yeah, because it's funny. And like he he has the ability to be funny. But like there's just something about Chevy Chase that I do not I find irritating and not funny ever. I think Chevy Chase doesn't play off of people as well as other as as well as people play off of him. And I That's think this really was true on Saturday Night Live, too, that when he is the center, when he is doing Gerald Ford or when he is doing Clark Clark Griswold, even, he's he's funny because he can do a thing. But I think mm-hmm. whereas Steve Martin, I think, and Martin Short, I mean, I, I love Steve Martin and, you know, I'm, I'm in disagreement. I love Steve Martin. But Martin Short, I think, is an even better maybe com- comedian in terms of playing off of people and... I guess as a kind of almost a more generous scene partner, if you were talking acting terms. Whereas I think Chevy Chase sometimes does can feel like a block of wood who's doing his own thing and doesn't play off everybody else the way they're playing off of him. And I think in this character, I think it works because he's kind of the dumb one. So it doesn't bother it. I don't find it bothersome in this, but I could see, I've seen other films where I, I would say, yeah, there's something something off and i think it's that i what you just said is basically my review of this whole movie um i like i feel and zach pointed it out he was like there's not one scene even when he's not in the forefront there's not one scene that martin short is in that he is not being hysterical in yeah like he's 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 funny all the time like he, he just exudes this this like um this this thing that makes yeah. him seem unself-conscious and and just 
and because of that, you just immediately are like, oh, him, 100%. And even just the physicality of Martin Short, the way it's staged, where him standing next to Chevy Chase, and there is almost a foot difference in their height, and it just, it works so well. Just It's like one of those tiny, visual, simple things that just you put it on screen, and I mean, John Landis mm-hmm. is another figure that is a complicated figure in many yep. ways, but man... I just had Coming to America on a few weeks ago and had it on. And it is hard to argue with how good he was at making these kinds of comedies. These broad, but not dumb, even if they were, even if dumb humor is a part of it, this doesn't feel like a dumb, dumb movie. Like, you you don't, Mm -hmm. you you know, you, you... you're laughing and you know this isn't high art and these aren't like brilliant references and things, but, but it's not, um, and I mean, there's slapstick. Slapstick is a big part of this, but it, it's just funny. It's, and you don't feel guilty about it being funny. No, I agree with you. Oh. And now the, something I, it's one of those things I'd never thought of. Cause again, I grew up with this movie is the question of like, Oh, is it kind of offensive or is it a little bit racist? I don't think it is. And granted, I'm a white person saying this. But to me, Mm -hmm. I think it's not because the joke primarily is on the white people and not the Mexicans. Yep. So there's the the whole sentiment of punching down. They're not, no one's punching down at at the the Mexican characters. There's not really jokes at their expense. The jokes are at, you know, these these white dudes expense. So again, if, if somebody watched this movie and they said, you know, as you know, somebody from Mexico or um, like my family's from Mexico Mm -hmm. or I I'm from South America, I found this offensive. I would be like, right, right on. That's your, I would never question. Yeah. But like I said, I was on, I was on the lookout. Like I had, I had my, my my peepers peeled waiting for something to go like, Oh, cringe. So of Mm -hmm. its time. Yep. Not because I wanted to rip it apart, but kind of because I wanted to prepare myself. Yeah. Because sometimes when someone drops the N bomb in an old movie, or even the the, the F word, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, it you go like, whoa, hey, because you forget <laughs> oh, that yeah. was it was something that was said a lot more freer. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure, like, I was in the right headspace that if they start saying things or mm-hmm. things happen, like I wasn't like taken aback, and I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, and, you know, I don't know the background of all the actors, but um, Alfonso Aru, who, who plays El Guapo, uh, was a Mexican oh actor. So good. Oh, Emily. God, how good is he? How good is he? So good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> you should remember him from when we did Romance in the Stone. He's in that. Um, I know Zach had to point that out. He's like, yeah. you know who that guy is. Oh, yeah. I'm like, no, I don't. So he had to go through and show me all his IMDb yep, pictures. Yep. He also, I mean, he directed a lot. He directed like Water for Chocolate. And for years, I thought oh, Alfonso really? Cuaron was him. When when <laughs> Alfonso Cuaron first started making films and it was like, and I saw, oh, a, a Mexican director whose first name is Alfonso. I just assumed it was the same guy. And I'm like, good for El Guapo to make uh, Children of Men. That movie was great. <laughs> <laughs> different so Alfonso funny. but still uh yeah like it's and again and he is so much smarter than the three amigos like it's it so it, mm. yeah and then the our other villain is is white is german <laughs> he was funny too he's very yeah funny. i mean i mean i will say for the most part most of my laughs came from 
the characters that are not our three titular amigos. Mm, okay. Uh, I, I really enjoyed everybody yes. around them. Um, I thought the, the, the side characters were really fleshed out because there's also El Guapo's like Hefe. right-hand man, oh, Hefe, yeah. who was oh, very so funny to me. So good. <laughs> also. Um, <laughs> Could it be once again that you were angry at something else and you were looking to take it out on me? Yeah. Really funny. Um, yeah, and then with that big guy is one of the German guys, too, whose yep. name I can't pull right now. And I don't have IMDb open. You guys all know who I'm talking yes, they, about. They, they got it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought it was cool that there was... I know this sounds stupid, and I know John Landis is good, but, like, I thought it was cool that there was so much plot. Yes, yes. And, like, it actually had, like, a really... Like, you can concisely say what this movie is mm-hmm. about. Yep. It's not, like... I feel off, oftentimes now, when you have, you know, quote-unquote comedies, they very much rely on just a, a kind of an idea and the, and for the yeah. cast to push it. But, well, like, this had... It didn't matter. I mean, it's great that the people who are in it are in it, but, like, the, on paper, without the actors in front of you, the story exists. And I think that's really great. Yeah, and it's funny, because I was thinking watching it, because I saw... I, I have this on Blu-ray, and I was excited. I'm like, oh, deleted scenes. And then I was reading more, and apparently, like, there's a whole subplot where Fran Drescher was apparent was originally she's in it Shut briefly. Up. Yeah, she plays the whole thing about how um, Flugelman is dumping them because he's moved on to like the female that was in their movies. That's Fran Drescher, and in the original cut, she has like a whole subplot. Uh, and so when I saw there were deleted scenes. And I said so when we watched the movie first, and I and I thought I'm like, oh, I bet there was a couple of scenes that like had moments where I'm like, oh, I bet that's going to be where a deleted scene is. And like there's one mm-hmm. in particular where when they first get to Mexico and Carmen comes to pick them up and she says to them like, oh, I'll take you to the village, and they're like, oh, great, 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 and it just cuts weird to where clearly like it felt like something else. Ha- like at one point there was the scene kept going or there was something missing there, but that you know it was just cut. And it just made me think a lot about, you know, the big comedies today. This I feel so old saying this, like the big comedies today that you get on the, <laughs> on the screen. But I mean, you think about it, and you have like the Judd Apatow movies being the big mm-hmm. ones, and even Ghostbusters. I think being a good example, uh, kind of uh, comparison to this, because it was also big concept, big budget. Um, you know, uh, and I'm talking about Lady Ghostbusters, um, multiple, uh, m- multiple big name comedian a- actors in this part, and how a movie like that, which I love, Ghost- I loved the um, 2016 Ghostbusters, but I c- couldn't argue and say it wasn't bloated. It didn't go on too long. It didn't mm-hmm. clearly have scenes that were improv that they just kept going until they found the thing, and then didn't necessarily edit the film in a way where that all felt organic. Uh, yeah. And watching Three Amigos, which is about a 90-minute movie tops, it's not doesn't overstay its welcome, and how I'm sure there was a lot of other things on the cutting room floor. You have Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Chevy Chase. I can't imagine there weren't scenes that they kind of kept going with or other stuff written that they cut. And yet, in 1986, you kept your movie at 90 minutes. You didn't overstuff it and keep all of this these scenes in there that are funny but don't have anything to do with anything 
Like, yeah. you know, and I mean, this, sure, you have like the singing bush, which of course, as a little kid, was the greatest thing in the world. Um, you well, have, like, uh, hey, look, I don't want to shock you, but as a 35-year-old woman, it was also the greatest thing seriously. in the world. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite line this time watching it as a grown-up is when um, when they get to the singing bush and, and um, Ned says, excuse me, are you the singing bush? Like, that just hit me so hard because it just, the logic of asking the only singing bush if he's the singing bush is just a beautiful thing. Well, you never know. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a scene that, like, you could argue, okay, maybe it doesn't need to be there. I mean, you have you have three songs in this movie. You could argue they don't need to be there, except they also do help with plot in some cases. But it's just, it's like the, I guess the discipline of, in 1986, you made your comedy to tell a story, to get your character somewhere, and to make people laugh. And if you could, and you did that in a certain style and a certain time block and that was your movie and today it's like one of the real frustrating things i think about comedy in the post apatow world is that they're what i'm sorry it's very rare for a comedy to justify being over two hours long and yet Mm -hmm. every single comedy that comes out now is like two hours and 15 minutes and it doesn't help the movie because it just hurts the pacing and this is just a case where, no, th- there's a story. We're moving the story. Along the way, we're going to have some really funny bits. Uh, we're going to have My Little Buttercup, which um, I have to – I've been singing for the past three weeks because <laughs> how can I not? Uh, but it moves, and it's, like, refreshing to watch that, I guess. Well, yeah, I I feel like it was, like – was pacey it was tight it was it was funny and and loose but like you said it didn't it didn't meander yeah yeah and 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 yeah that is, it is nice to see something that um that doesn't i i get it like people are funny improv is funny and stuff mm-hmm. in, in movies but like sometimes i to echo what you just said i feel like yep. there's a lot of vamping yep yep and like like look how funny i am just like i feel like that's all anchorman 2 was right right and I, I just, in small doses, it's fine, but it's also kind of fun to just watch something that doesn't feel that way. Yeah. yeah. But it's still funny. Yeah. And again, like, this has a full story to it and a big showdown and everything. And so you're not, you know, you have to be invested. It's moving you. Yep. Uh, and it's <laughs> the screenplay written by Steve Martin, Lauren Michaels, and Randy Newman. I said... So so I pointed out, because we watched it last night, and it was the credits were rolling, I said, oh, the singing bush was Randy Newman. This is my favorite Randy Newman role. Because I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't particularly get, like, why people would non-ironically like Randy Newman. That's fine. And Zach was like, I've never noticed that. I've watched this movie, like, 50 times, yep. and I've never noticed that. And I was like, well, the singing bush was very important to me in this viewing, <laughs> so I wanted to see who it was. <laughs> the I, I always I think I knew for a while that he did the songs because there are, there's um, My Little Buttercup, uh, The Three Amigos, and um, the like Sunset Go to Sleep Little Cowboy song that I love uh, with the singing turtle, which always makes me really happy. Or the 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 horses that do the kind of head bob, and then the mm-hmm. turtle. Uh, has a line at the end. I, I saw the turtle yes. over his shoulder, and I said, oh my god, look at that turtle! And Zach's like, well, strap Just in. Just wait for it. Because... Just wait for it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good night, Ned. And again, like, 
this is one of those movies where I can see why it appealed to me so much as a kid because it it was a and I, I mean Clue is a good movie to compare it to because it's of the same era. It's also um, in part a John Landis film, and it has all these visual things going on where even if you are too young to get the jokes, there's so much to watch that you're so invested and you're so into it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the joke about foreplay as a four as a four year old. Uh, I would hope not. But I really liked watching Steve Martin try so desperately to get out of his um, his shackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. One other really fun fact about this movie is, uh, I guess it had been in development for a while. With At one point, it was going to be Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were going to be there with Steve Martin. Um, and uh, Landis said that, uh, I guess, if Martin Short couldn't have done the part, like whether that was a question mark or what, do you want to know who the second choice was? Oh, no. Who? You might be able to guess. If you think about me and my cinematic crushes of this era, who... Um, what's his face? Um, Glass is there. Yep, yep, you got it. You got it. Rick Moranis. I'm so tired. Why can't I think of this name? Can you imagine Three Amigos with Rick Moranis in the yep, there uh, it is. Nederlander role? I could see that. I could, too. I it would totally be a different could. movie. It just... It, it, for sure, yeah. but like he would, he is also very funny. Yes. I feel yes. so very much, yes, and and very attractive, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes, that goes without saying. Again, a four four year old Emily had crushes on Martin Short, Rick Moranis, Fred Savage, and Gary Carter, and Davy Jones. Th- those were that, those were my that was my roster as a four year old. I don't know about you. I don't think I had crushes on anybody when I was four. Oh. Well, I guess I was a very <laughs> very, very uh, eager child. Age. It would seem, yes. Mm-hmm. You're a real prodigy. Yeah, who knew? Uh, okay. Um, do you have more to say about Three Amigos? And I'm trying so hard to not just pull out my favorite lines and say them over and over again. The I mean, you balls. can. The little balls. Okay. It was funny. I liked it. I was really nervous, and uh, it was good. I am. I am really pleasantly very happy to hear that you enjoyed it because I was worried because these are the kinds of movies that are really hard to judge I I, again I couldn't judge it I could Mm -hmm. just because I have such a screen over me with this movie that I could kind of see like okay yeah some of the um it, some of and again some of the the way once I realized there were deleted scenes and subplots I was like yeah that makes sense because it does feel like a scene is missing here that something was supposed to move around here but um, yeah, I was I was concerned that this was not going to work for you, and I am so glad it did. It did, and I'm glad that it also is going to help um, strengthen your relationship with your husband. It will, and yeah. now he's like, "Why didn't you ever tell me?" Like, <laughs> when dude, he called I you a did. Sucking pig and a son of a motherless goat. I I told you I didn't you? understand. Also, sometimes he just says random shit. Like I don't know what of pinatas. Yeah, I've probably said I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, you know what? Next time um, for his birthday, you should get him a sweater so that you guys can that like that sweater was nice, that. wasn't it? Great, and he's yeah. so ha- and you saw what I meant, right? He's so happy about that sweater. So happy about yes. it. Okay, all right. If that's all we got, how about we rate it? How are you going to rate this movie? Oh, good God, I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> I can't like quality of film. I don't know. Seven seven five. I was going to say 7.5. Okay, okay. 
Uh, quality of life. This movie for me is such a touchstone of things and references. And this was, to me, this was a Western when I was growing up. This was my understanding of what a Western was. So, uh, I mean, nine for quality of life because this movie has made me happy for 36 years or 32 years, I guess. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) How do you even, so 10. Yeah, that ten is a fair, fairer number. Sure, yeah, quality of life ten. Yeah, why not? I mean, I would say for me, probably like a seven. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's reasonable. Yeah, no, I get it. I, get I mean, it. I I liked it, and but like, yeah, I didn't. I don't have any type type of relationship sure. with it. And and I understand that this is that kind of movie, and we all have them in our lives, and mm-hmm. and we all have those ones that like our partner has, and then we sit down to watch it, and we feel bad if we don't love it uh, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that it was an enjoyable experience for you it was yeah all right how about on that note we ride on off and come back uh, take a ride up from Mexico to LA for Mulholland Drive Arizona moon keep shining from the desert sky above. You know, pretty soon that big yellow moon will light the way back to the one you love. Blue shadows on the trail. Cowboy, close your eyes and dream. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream, little pal. Dream on. So 2001, David Lynch uh, originally making a TV pilot for Showtime, I think. Uh, They don't pick it up. They don't want it. He now has uh, an hour of something that he still needs to finish. He is able a year later or several months later to assemble his cast again and finish and present Mulholland Drive, which comes out in 2001, gets nominated for a few Oscars. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, nominated. I think he was nominated for Best Director, actually. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, the I movie have no wasn't idea. nominated for Best Picture, but I think he was nominated for Director. And I, cause I remember um, watching the Oscars that year and seeing Laura Herring and um, Naomi Watts at the Oscars as presenters, I think. Mm-hmm. And just thinking like, oh, yeah, I got to see that. I don't know what that is. And at some point, a friend rented it and we watched it on VHS. And I, as I said last week, hated it. Yep. With every fiber of my being, I created an IMDb user profile so I could write a crappy review of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I let that anger sit there and fester for a while. At a certain point between 2002 and 2018, I said to myself, you know, I wonder 
I bet that movie. I bet I wouldn't feel the same way about that movie if I watched it today. I think I maybe wasn't didn't know what I was getting, and maybe it was a little hard on it. I don't know. Look, we'll we see. were kids. We were kids back then. I was twenty years old when I watched this movie, Christine. Twenty years old. I didn't know what life was. I know. Yeah. <sighs> so uh, revisiting it was a fascinating experience for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, first for you, tell me a little bit. I think also let's just say off the bat. I think we're going to spoil this movie because you got to oh. talk in detail. At the Look, same time, you could tell somebody everything that happens in this movie and it's not spoiling anything. No, you can't spoil this movie no. and yet we will spoil this movie. Right. Also, I can't ever give you a synopsis of this movie. No. I'm sorry. Don't even bother. <laughs> don't, don't. It's okay. Uh, there's a car crash. Maybe. Um, uh, there are two women. Maybe. We don't, we don't know maybe. anything. We don't know. We don't know. No, no. We don't know. Uh, so tell me first, because you are a David Lynch fan, am I right? I am a David Lynch fan, yes. Okay, so why did you never see this movie? You know, I think it's, I live in fear of being disappointed. Wow. Um, uh, so there's still like two Hitchcock movies I've never seen mm-hmm. um, of the talkies. There's like some old silenty ones that I haven't seen and that I just haven't actively sought out um there's still i think i'm at two de palma movies i haven't seen okay and i save those because i i know definitely with hitchcock i'll never get another one but most Mm. likely with de palma i won't get like real like some real heavy de palma shit okay maybe ever again um now as far as david lynch goes i am so scared that he he's gonna do something that i'm gonna hate and it's gonna somehow change my relationship with other stuff i know that that's Mm. kind of irrational but that's why i don't actively seek it out like there are filmmakers who 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 put out work or even like writers who put out books and you go like oh this is for me i 100 percent need to now ingest everything that these these people have ever done um and that's not my relationship with david lynch i am i think it's because i don't really like lost highway Mm. and i'm so afraid that everything else is lost highway you know (laughs) <laughs> no, being, I get it. I get it. I know that Eraserhead isn't, and Eraserhead yeah. is one of the most terrifying, upsetting things I've ever watched. Yeah. Um, Twin Peaks, the original and the return, is the most perfect thing in the world. Firewalk with Me is one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies of all time. Like, I get, I get it, and you can't even if everything else he ever did was awful, no one would be able to take that away from me. But I always worried because I felt like people lumped Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway together. They also hmm. lump Inland Empire in as well, and I've never seen that. Okay. <laughs> so, and, yeah. In um, Inland Empire, to me, I saw it a few years after Mulholland Drive. I mean, a year or two after it came out. Hmm. And it was one that I think... It, it uh, you ca- I would lump it more with Mulholland Drive than anything else, because it does also do that... Ver- I, to me, Inland Empire is just a movie that is a dream. And granted, I've only seen it once, um, but that's what I remember watching and thinking like, oh, this is a dream. This is a dream logic. This all makes sense as a dream. Mm-hmm. As a result, I'm not overly invested in it. I think that I feel like that's like an offshoot of Mulholland Drive, which can be interpreted in it's, And again, there is what I love about this movie now is that there is no right way to read this movie because David Lynch yeah. won't let you, will never tell you that you're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. David Lynch has been really firm about saying... I am never going to answer a question about what this movie's about. Here's a couple of things you should watch for that might give you clues if you're looking for them. Or maybe I'm lying and maybe they don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And 
so it, like Inland Empire feels very so again just to, to Mulholland Drive you can read as you know this chunk is a dream and this chunk isn't mm-hmm. and then Inland Empire feels to me like oh right now that's just the whole dream uh so it's I, I don't you know I, I think Inland Empire has a fantastic performance by Laura Dern but I didn't love it overall mm-hmm. uh revisiting Mulholland Drive was as I thought where I'm like yeah I I was a different person when I watched it. And I think, (laughs) you know what it is? I think it was that I went into it taking it too seriously. Uh Uh-huh. You, you, and that, that I know for a fact, when I first watched Lost Highway, I did the same fucking thing. Yeah. And that's why I thought when I watched it again, I would have a different experience. Mm, Yeah. And I did have a different experience, but it wasn't an experience that did anything for me. Right. Um, if that makes any sense. It does. It's like, yeah. It's like, it's good. I, I can say objectively, Lost Highway is good. And there are a lot of things about it I like. It's 90s as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me of my childhood. I like a lot about it. But so if, if somebody had said, Christine, you should watch Mulholland Drive because it's Twin Peaks. I would have said, oh, I hadn't known that. Ah. Because here I, here I am not knowing if Twin sure. Peaks is the outlier or if it's the norm. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and if somebody had said, oh, shut up. <laughs> Go yeah. watch this movie because this is this is some shit. Then I probably would have watched it a long mm-hmm. time ago. Yeah. Um, this movie is like Twin Peaks. I had to, like pause a couple times because I was ready to burst into tears. It upset me so deeply. Mm. And after seeing The Return, which obviously happened after this movie, um, the fact that this movie, that Mulholland Drives exists in the Twin Peaks universe, whatever that means to you, there's no doubt in my mind. It's all the same Mm -hmm. universe. It's it's a shared continuity. It's a shared universe. Whether it's like overlapping dimensions or whatever, I don't I'm not going to pretend that I fucking know that, but it definitely exists on the same wavelength. It is, like, even if you had told me that, I would have pushed you down a flight of stairs to get to this movie. <laughs> but I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Because I personally don't feel like Lost Highway exists in that same space. And, like, so, like, what if nothing else ever did? And I didn't like <laughs> anything else. But, like,. Fair. Man, Emily, you really need to watch Twin Peaks. I know I that know. that's like no, I do, I do. You to eat an entire birthday cake, like, uh, yeah. like I get it. It's a huge undertaking, but if you liked this movie at all, yeah, there's so much there for you. Well, and that's the thing. Um, this time around, I really enjoyed it, and I think I enjoyed it for a few reasons. One is be- it, this was a movie I think that um, for me played better as a movie I'd seen before. Not just because okay, I was 20 years old and like angry at the world. But also, I think I came into it knowing I'm not going to find all these answers. I'm not watching this. This movie isn't about life and death and all this stuff. Those things are in there if I want to pull them out, but that I don't have to. And I think part of it, too, is like, I guess I always had an impression of David Lynch and David Lynch movies that they were a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it came more from... Um, he was on the show Louie a few seasons ago. He was playing, I can't remember if he was playing himself or he was playing just this random character, but he was so funny on the show. And it just made me, made me like think a little differently of him. And mm-hmm. then seeing kind of what he is on Twitter and some of the other things he does where like 
David Lynch seems like just a really cool guy who loves art and creating and wants everybody to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And now, whereas I think when I first saw it and I didn't know much about him, I was kind of expecting this really pretentious, arty film. Yeah. And watching it now, knowing a little more about him and realizing, like, it's, yes, it is a pretentious, arty film, but it's it's not taking itself, I don't think this movie takes itself seriously. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it has these you know, very deep moments. I mean, and not to take anything away from the characters and performances, because, I mean, Naomi Watts is going deep in this movie. I can't even believe how good she is. My God, she is so good in this. And this was really the movie that brought her to the attention of people of, oh my God, this woman can fucking act. Mm -hmm. And, like, I mean, the scene where she is doing the audition is just such a great scene on so many levels, because it is her playing Betty giving an audition of a different character and suddenly being a different you know person than we've seen like oh my god this woman is an actress she can this character is an actress she can act and then when you you know realize or maybe she wasn't maybe this is her reimagining that audition that she had and fell and didn't get years ago of oh or is she playing her perception of how that went and I really believe because I've also like read interviews with Naomi Watts and something I've always really liked hearing her say is that she is very much a believer in film as a director's medium and she is there to do what the director asks of her and you know she you know she'll find her character but that she puts all of her trust in the director Mm -hmm. and this is a movie and especially what her and um laura herring have to do like this is a movie where i feel like that is important too because it also keeps it from being skeevy and Mm -hmm. uh leering because i mean it's not leering at all it's not i mean there are scenes of these two women naked making love and you don't feel like this is a male director uh, aiming the camera in such a way to make it appealing to heterosexual men. Like, it is sexy when it is their faces and when they are almost kissing. And nudity is in the frame, but it is not lingering on that. It's just part mm-hmm. of this picture. And it's, like, really stunning how sexy I found this movie. And just in a way where it really, like, just brought me back to thinking, like, you know, you you have to direct these scenes in a certain way, aside from the whole, like, where your camera is and everything else, like, there is such a respect for his actors, I think, that comes through in this movie. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... <clears throat> there. There is, like you said, a respect paid to certain things. I don't. I don't feel like it was exploitative. Um, and I mean, there is violence and sexuality in in it. But I mean, it's it's used the way it's it's supposed to be used, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Like to tell the story. It's not used to like shock us or like get a get a reaction. It's there because the story deems it so. Um, I so I re- I appreciated that I I liked that a lot. Um, I feel like and also again this is not my first 
you know, rodeo here. I, if you go into this movie, w- like trying to cobble together something that makes mm. quote unquote sense, you're, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Like you, that's not ever the goal. If right. you spend all the, all the, the, the quiet moments. And if you spend all your time trying to make this make linear logical sense it's not going to because you've done a disservice it purposely doesn't i mean you can the kind of easy read is oh the first half is um diane's fantasy and diane being naomi watts in the second half of the movie of this failed actress who came to hollywood who didn't make it but who you know was in love with this woman who made it and is successful and this first out and she and so she you know gets jealous she goes mad she has her killed this first half is is her fantasizing about the life that should have been hers you you could do that if you want but then what's the point of uh the diner scene and the man i'm gonna say that's 100 percent not how i read it at all at really? any point <laughs> Like, to me, that's just the easy read. Like, that's the, oh, right, when she gets the key, she has basically unlocked her real self, and now we're back to this miserable existence she has. I think that's just, if you had to put a straightforward read on it, that's what I get. What do you get? Or do you just not Um, even try? I tried a little bit. So, here's the thing. Um, You can't, I cannot talk about this movie without talking about Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. So, Naomi Watts is obviously in the return, and the the guy in the diner, the whole diner yeah, thing, yeah. Um, is also in the return. Okay, and I found that I found that interesting that those two actors are are in the return, whereas they are not in Twin Peaks Prime. Um, that's just me. That's my personal like. I took that and I internalized that, and I said it's interesting because of you know the overarching themes of the return, which would be like you know it's a dream kind of thing mm-hmm. to place those characters who. I essentially believe are the dreamers of this movie. Okay. Because I mean, because the diner sequence that dude, I mean, he dreamed it all. Right. So there's, there's, it's too much to articulate. Like I can't, I can't articulate it in a really concise way, but there's also the, the the, um, realization, the real firming up of the idea and the return that there are these, these spirits, these demons, these entities that are bad or whatever. And not even the bad ones, but that they can move through electricity. That's hmm. the thinking. Okay. Um, so the, the cowboy shows up when the light flickers. Like, there's – so it's clear in this movie as well, the, the presence of electricity around these entities that don't maybe make sense, these characters that don't really fit in anywhere. So when you think about that, there's this – this the way you can look at it, like, as these – people characters entities are coming in and influencing the Mm. the other people in this movie okay um so with that all in play not that that's cleared anything up (laughs) i felt like the first half i felt like maybe it was all a dream but the first half was less it was more um grounded I felt like it was literal. I felt like it was maybe what happened or the closer to what actually happened, like a real thing, a series of things that happened. And then the second part was more of the dream where where almost where everyone's been recast. You don't really 
know anymore like how dreams are hazy sure. and you dream about somebody and you know it's your friend john but for some but reason it dream doesn't look like your john. friend jerry yeah so it felt more like that to me so to say that and i would never think i don't i don't know like i don't know it's 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 really interesting and it's really upsetting um so i think the bookends are really telling to, to when she arrives in la and she mm-hmm. you know flies in with the old people yep. and then the old people are the, like the last thing she sees um zach said he read some stuff about them and some different theories um they they do seem to be malevolent in my opinion mm-hmm. but i don't know if they're actually malevolent and i don't know if she's actually being like haunted by them at the end or if they are just the manifestations manifestation of of when when she came to LA she was a different person she had this hope and this belief and this life that she thought she was going to have and that's not what happened so they're taunting her the memory of that is taunting mm. her so like i don't know okay, like, like that one there's i think there's a ton of different ways to look at it and i think what you choose to get out of it is super duper personal yes i like, agree because there there's something like I'm obsessed with the old people and about the dude in the diner. For other yeah. people, they might be like super interested in what the Mark Pellegrino character yeah. presented. But for me, I don't even give that a second thought. So I think what you fixate on. Yeah. And is, for me, because that sticks out so much. Yeah. And especially this time around, where, again, like that's where I think it hit me that, oh, this is a really funny movie. Because that scene is hilarious. The scene, the bumbling hitman who accidentally shoots somebody next door and then has to go deal with that. And then there's a janitor. Like that in the entire unfolding of that scene was really funny to me. And I was trying to kind of, as I watched it, situate it and try to figure out like, okay, so where does that sit in here? What's the, if we're reading it as Betty's story or Diane's story or Camilla's story, what does that have to do with anything? Because mm-hmm. arguably it doesn't. It, it You know, if you look at it from, um, what's his face, Justin Thoreau's character, mm-hmm. like, okay, this is a little more connected maybe, but absolutely not when you really sit back. And I think that for me is like my permission slip to not analyze anything where I just kind of say like, I can come up with theories, you know, uh, and you haven't seen Mother yet, but it's one of those no. movies that um, to me, there's a simple theory that once you see it, it's there and it's really hard to unsee. And I know a lot of other people that have still like brought different meanings to it. And I, I, I love, I love that urge that you have. And I've done that mm-hmm. with other movies, certainly um, like Lars von Trier's Antichrist, for example, like I have uh-huh. a very particular yep. read of that movie. I think that is a movie about a man being afraid of a woman and him, him turning her into a demon in his head and she doesn't do any of the shit. It's all him and so on. Very few people have ever agreed with me and seen the movie that way. Um, I get that. With uh, with Mulholland Drive, like, I think it's kind of a similar... But I think it's more... There is absolutely no right answer to this movie. And I don't think the actors knew the right answer. I think David Lynch had different answers, but I bet... I think he is... I think he will refuse to ever give them to you. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem with that. I actually... Like, now, again, in my older, you know, wiser years, I love ambiguity when it's done well and when it opens up questions as opposed to frustrates you without answering them. 
And mm-hmm. I think that's what this movie does. And it, you know, it, it is one of those great examples to me of me being able to say, like, you know what? I can change my mind. I I agree with that sentiment 100%. If David Lynch wants to say, no, this is what this movie is about, then I 100% have no problem also seeing that. Mm-hmm. But if he's going out of his way to not tell us, yep. then I think we have carte blanche to just interpret yep. it the way we want. Yep. And if you want to watch it and say, this like this is its own entity, it has nothing to do with the the larger Twin Peaks style universe, that's fine. If you want to say, absolutely, this 100% fits in, and I'll explain all the different timelines and dimensions and worlds, then great. But, like, dude's not going out of his way to fucking tell anybody. So, like, just, if it, like, it's, it makes you feel something, it makes you think. Like, Mm -hmm. isn't that the most important part? Yeah, and I think it also makes you feel, and you don't always know what you're feeling. And, you know, the scene that I talked about last week, I think, is the prime example of that. When they go to the theater. Uh, oh, yeah. Right? Right? And you, you yeah. get it, right? And there is there's this performance. There's this performance about how everything is, everything is fake. It's all a recording. And then Rebecca Del Rio comes out and sings, but doesn't sing. And it is such a... You know, things are happening in that scene, and yes, you can look at it and say, oh, this character is going through this, this character is going through that, or you're just watching this incredibly powerful thing happen, and you, you know, you don't have to understand what's happening, I think, in order to feel something from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was great. I really liked it. I think I want to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's like one, immediately. <laughs> eventually, I will, and I'm like, yeah, like now. I think there's a Criterion release of it. Uh, what's funny when this was first put on DVD, I remember again. This was back when I was very angry at this movie. That uh, it, Dave, like David Lynch, kind of publicly said, like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing a commentary. I'm not doing any special features, and I am not going to have scene selection. Because the his his statement was like, this movie should be watched in one sitting. You should sit down and watch the movie. You shouldn't mm-hmm. get to jump around to different scenes and try to analyze it. And I remember thinking like, oh, fuck you, you pretentious, uh, you know, that it just sounded like <laughs> such a pretentious thing for a director to say, oh, no, I'm not going to give you a scene selection because that's, that's just too gouge. My movie should be sat down and watched beginning to end. But like, I mean, whatever, dude. You've you've made the movie. It's fine. Uh, and I, but I believe now that there is like an actual Criterion release with interviews and stuff. Projection oh, booth. Well, um, Mike did a great episode on this. I know he interviewed um, Laura Herring and um, uh, what's his name, Dude and Diner, whose name I can never remember. Um, so it's mm-hmm. and that I encourage everybody to check that episode out because it's really in depth. And still, I mean, nobody has answers, but it's really interesting to hear. Um, Laura Herring talk about this movie and the audition and everything else. Yeah. Oh man. Thank you for making me finally watch. Yeah. It. And, and thank you too. Cause I am, I am really glad. And I was, and in truth, I was very nervous to cover this movie. Cause when I said it, I'm like, this is such a good idea. I really want to watch this movie. I think there's a lot to talk about. And then as soon as I said that after, you know, we kind of decided to do this, I was like, fuck, I I don't feel equipped to talk about this movie. Like, it's such a film scholar movie in many ways where it's on, it's it's like number one or two on like Time's list of best movies of the 20th century. And, you know, it's, 
it comes up as such a monument now, I think, in film talk mm-hmm. that I was kind of intimidated in a sense to feel like, what am I going to add to this? And I, I, I don't know. I think talking about it with you, especially who has a different relationship with David Lynch and his universe, um, I found it interesting. I hope our listeners did. I hope so too. If this is not, I, in my, I agree with you, and I kind of felt the same way. But this is not really a movie that, like, to to talk about its plot and to talk about it scene by scene and to to give a definitive read on it. Mm. I really think does it a disservice. Yeah. I don't feel like it's meant to be ingested that way. So I don't necessarily feel there, like there's any point of talking about it that way. Whereas, like, I don't know, something else we've covered, like Stepford Wives sure. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think example. that there is. I mean it's a little bit more black and white and yeah. sure every movie is open to interpretation, but like, I, I feel like this movie is about what it's your interpretation is. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's about whatever you feel like it's about when yeah. you watch it. So you yeah. could watch this movie in 10 years and walk away with something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think it's one of those good. movies that you should do that with. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love those kinds of movies that you, you revisit and kind of like say like, okay, at this point in my life, what does this movie say to me? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that speaks to the dream logic quality of it. Yes. Like, it it's you 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 pick up on what you want to pick up on, and um, I uh, I'm very glad I watched it, and I think that I will seek out Inland Empire yeah. sooner rather than later. And this will help prod me towards the towards the Twin Peaks watch. I, I think it's still on Netflix. Uh, we again, we just, you know, we'll get into it's it. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to, to bite off, man. Yeah. I get it. Because it's, it's like 20, it's, I mean, it's back in the day when a season of TV was like 23 episodes. And that first season is like nothing. I, I feel yeah. like it's real, real easy to, um, to get your head around and to really get into. Yeah. It's that second season that, that has some, some slow points. Oh. All right, cool. Um, but Billy Zane's in it, so just. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> My God! Okay, that young, everything. handsome, amazing-looking <gasps> Billy Zane well, is the I best mean, part of some of those not slow all season of those two episodes. Things other than young now. I know, I know, but like it's that really like classic. Like, is that man real? Mm, Nobody yeah. looks like that. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's it's the intensity. It's yeah. Ugh. He's somebody I don't know that I ever could meet. Like, if he was at a convention, I'd throw up. I, yeah, I don't know that I could get my picture taken with him. Um, Horror Hound is next weekend, and I'm really excited. Brad Dorif is going to be there, Ugh. and I am like, I, I'm so excited because you know we were signed up for our photo op. Like, I'm so excited to to look at Brad Dorif and talk that's to him. So cute. But I'm also like, I I think I'm going to be tongue tied. I don't think I'm going to have words. And I feel like Billy Zane would be that person, but it would be like less about his talent and more just about his his look. Yeah. <laughs> that I would look at him and I would just realize I did not have words anymore to say. So. <laughs> just hand him a note. Hand him a note. <laughs> I loved you in The Roommate and I wondered where your character went. Yep. It's all he needs. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's go ahead and rate Mulholland Drive. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Quality of film? Quality of film. Good God. This is hard. I don't know. I'm going to say nine. Yeah, I was going to go like 8.8, Yeah, 8.8, repeating decimal. 8.875. 8 and 7 eighths. There we go. Okay, beautiful. Okay, great. Quality of life. 9.5. Yeah, 10. you know, I'm going, I'm going like up in nine because, again, the fact that this movie, if you had asked me 16 years ago, my answer would have been 
two and four to this question. <laughs> the fact, you really jumped up. Oh my god, I was so angry. I wonder. I don't think I'm able to like do it. I wonder if I can find that. Oh, good god. Okay. Um, as I keep talking, I'm gonna see. See, oh if you can find your review, I'd love to 200 hear it. Okay, how many people... Oh, man, there's 1,816 user reviews. Do you remember by... your username? Oh, God. It was an Embo Jangles. Oh, that you're a little, might have been little my, angel. That might, might have been my username. Um, oh, man. Uh, okay, it's probably going to take me too long to do total votes by date. And it would have been to, can I do date the other way? All right. This is bad podcasting. I won't keep doing this. But uh, I want you to, in your personal life, keep doing it. No, I'm, I am totally going to. Trust me. Um, I'm, I'm going to look for it. When I find it, I'm going to, I'll post it on our Facebook page. So you guys Please can see, do. you know, little, little 20 year old me and how angry Mulholland Drive made me. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'm going nine for quality of life. Cause again, wow. it's one. I enjoyed watching, and I also think it taught me a little something about myself as a film watcher in all these mm-hmm. years. So, yeah. All right. That was our show. Now, before we tell you about what we're covering next, and it's an exciting thing, and I bet, I wonder if you remember what it is. Uh, before that. <laughs> you know me so well. I know. Like, I, I started saying, I bet look, you don't remember, and I thought that was negative. So instead, I look, decided I to Look, I kind of do remember most yeah, of it yeah, if, yeah. You go, if I go back and look at our messages. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, first, what's your streaming pick? Um, my streaming pick is something that so things are coming out on Netflix so fast and furious now that I feel like the thing that everybody's talking about one week is completely forgotten by the next That's week. Very true. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's really we've we've entered this really strange, um, like realm. Like I feel like when when. Cloverfield Paradox came out yep. like for like three days. It's all anybody talked about, yep. and then I never, I didn't hear a peep from anybody else. The yeah. same thing was kind of true for this movie. I heard n- nonstop stuff about um, the ritual on Netflix, and then yeah, thought, thought like, well, I shouldn't make that my my recommend when the time comes because I watched it a while ago now. Um, but then nobody, it, people stopped talking about it. And I was like, well, maybe I should make it my recommend now. Um, so it's a movie called The Ritual on on the Netflix. Um, it's got familiar faces in it. If you um, are a real Downton Abbey head like myself, um, that super hot um, valet is in it. Um, so you should watch it because that, he's super hot. And it's also a good movie. It was scary and cool and went in unexpected places. I'm glad you mentioned that because I have not watched it. And I remember, you know, a month ago, a whole bunch of people talking about it, thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, I should add that to my queue, not doing so. And I guarantee I would never have remembered that had you not brought that up. So I have just added the ritual to my Netflix queue. I will be very curious to hear what you think. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Like I said, the, like it goes in a direction you don't expect. For me, the end was a, there were parts of the end that were left me a little cold. But overall, the experience, I think, was was good. Okay. I wish that 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 type of movie, that quality of movie was every movie on Netflix you maybe had never heard of. Mm. I wish they were all that good. OK, got it. Um, my pick is also a Netflix pick. And it's honestly it is directed specifically at you. <laughs> Oh, because it's kind of a movie I was watching and I liked it, but I was like, you know, I think Christine would probably really like it. It is a South Korean film called Office. 
Okay, I don't know if I even know what this is. Yeah, I heard about it because it was one of um, Night of Living Podcasts did it on their straight-to-video Russian roulette. And, is it scary? Um, you know, it's, it is, I guess it's a horror movie, but it's the kind of movie that is, like, it would almost be better if you watched it not knowing it was classified as a horror movie. Because is it, it from 2015? Yes, yes, that's 2015? it. 2015? 2015. It's, uh, on IMDb is a musical. No. Um. Then am I looking at the there, wrong There, you know, there's a few, because there's, um, there is another movie called The Office or Office that is, I think, a Chinese movie. Okay, I think I'm looking at the Chinese you movie. You probably are. If you go to Netflix and type in Office, it comes up okay. first. Right okay. before The Office, it comes up. Uh, it's it's in South Korea and is set in this company where that is very cutthroat and all the salespeople are constantly um, climbing over each other and being mean to the intern and it opens with one of the salesmen um, has done something very bad. And the film kind of follows the intern, the young female intern, who's, you know, kind of, you feel really bad. You really get invested in her. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found it. Yeah. Okay, good. And it it goes in different directions. And it's, you know, I mean, a lot of South Korean genre films, typically the, the main thing that kind of is true of all of them is that they go on a little too long. Yeah. This movie is an hour and 50 minutes. And it's mm-hmm. a weird one because it's paced so weirdly if you looked at it on paper and looked at where, where the action was. But watching it, I really enjoyed it. And it's so much about office culture and I mean, in this case, particularly Korean office culture, mm-hmm. that I feel like you, who I know um, sometimes finds like office stuff really interesting, I think it would speak to you. Huh. Interesting. So, well, yeah. I have added it to my queue. Okay. I'll be curious what you think. Uh, it is, it's, it's just, it's not traditional in terms of if I gave you a genre, it doesn't fit any genre really, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it was good. I found it really intriguing. Um, at times unsatisfying it doesn't give you all these answers but i'm okay with that um but yeah it's very much an office horror film which i know you and i have longed for much in the world yes yeah definitely uh okay so that is our show on our next episode we are going to be joined by a special guest none other than jason fozzy bear uh, who you last heard on the A Chorus Line and the Red Shoes episode. Uh, he will be joining us. <laughs> what a nightmare episode What a, my that was. favorite episode in the world. Uh, he will be joining us to cover, and um, he picked movies, and I think they are interesting movies for us to talk about. One is Flirting with Disaster, which is um, What's-His-Face's dude that called Lily Tomlin a cunt, that guy. Um, mm-hmm. David O. Russell, one of his early films. Which I've seen once and remember thinking it was very funny. Uh, and the other film that Jason picked was Albert Brooks's Mother with Debbie Reynolds. Not the other mother. Not the other one. Not yeah. the other mother. No. Um, mother with Debbie Reynolds. Which is perfect because it means I can call that episode Flirting with Mother. Aww. I know. That's that nice. so great. Yeah. Uh, So come join us for that one. Play along at home. In the meantime, if you would like to talk about these movies or anything else, come to our Facebook page over at The Feminine Critique or talk to us on Twitter at Feminine Podcast. Is there anything else I should tell the world, Christine? No. Okay. My little buttercup. (laughs) Nothing at all. Well then, good night, Christine. Good night.
Yo estaba bien por un tiempo volviendo a sonreír. Luego anoche te vi, tu mano me tocó y el saludo de tu voz te hablé muy bien y tú sin saber que he estado llorando por tu amor, llorando por tu amor, luego de tu adiós sentí todo mi dolor. Sola y llorando, 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 llorando. No es fácil de entender que al verte otra vez yo esté llorando. Yo que pensé que te olvidé, pero es verdad, es la verdad, que te quiero aún más, mucho más que ayer. Dime tú qué puedo hacer, no me quieres. Y siempre estaré llorando por tu amor, llorando por tu amor, tu amor se llevó todo mi corazón y quedó llorando, 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 llorando.